It's time to discover your spiritual identity with your host, Mike Shree. There are hundreds of names and titles given to God's people that powerfully reveal who you are, why you exist, and what your purpose is in this world. Each one pulls back the veil of a different aspect of who you are in Christ. Once you learn these names and titles and apply them to your life, you will rise up boldly to be all that God has called you to be. Are you ready? Here's Mike Shree. It's only found one time in the entire Bible. In Acts chapter 24, verse 5, we are referred to as the sect of the Nazarenes. However, when it was originally spoken, it was not a complimentary statement. Well, let me paint the scene for you. Paul the Apostle is standing before Felix, who is a Roman procurator. And there with him is Ananias the high priest and the elders of Israel who have come to accuse Paul of crimes that hopefully would make him worthy of incarceration or worse than that, worthy of death. And they brought with them a professional orator named Tertullus. And Tertullus was presenting their case against Paul before Felix. And this is what he said. We have found this man a plague, a creator of dissension among all the Jews throughout the world and a ringleader of the sect of the Nazarenes. Well, you can almost feel the kind of attitude that went along with that statement. It was intended to be derogatory. It was intended to be insulting. It was intended to be a put down. Why would that phrase, the sect of the Nazarenes, be considered an insult? Because a Nazarene was someone who came from Nazareth. And if you remember, Nazareth was Jesus' boyhood home. But Nazareth was in the northern regions of Israel. And because of that, they were in more contact with the Gentile people. And thus, according to the thinking of some of the more refined religious leaders at that time, they were defiled as a result. And also they tended to be less spiritual, rough around the edges, poor, unrefined, uneducated well, in modern day terms, you might call them low life, the people on the other side of the track. They were the kind of people that responded to Jesus' ministry, though. He did well among those who were drunks and harlots and tax collectors and rejects and the ostracized of society, the overlooked, the bypassed, those that nobody wanted to be around, they gravitated toward the Son of God. That's the most amazing thing about Jesus of Nazareth, that he drew to himself the simple people and that he presented the gospel to them in a simple way and they loved him for it. But let's go back to this idea of what it was to be the sect of the Nazarenes. Now, the word Nazareth has a couple of meanings. It can mean the guarded one. That's very peculiar. Nazareth was interpreted that way because there was a natural barrier of cliffs and hills around the city that provided protection from invaders. So the city's name meant it was a guarded city. It was guarded by these natural barriers. Well, in another scripture, 
God said that he would be around his people just like the mountains are around Jerusalem. Well, in like manner, just like these high cliffs and hills were around Nazareth, the word Nazarene meant a guarded one. And how curious it is that when Jesus announced his ministry in the synagogue at Nazareth, he quoted from Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me for he has anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book. Well, that's the way it's phrased in our Bibles, he actually rolled up the scroll and he said, this day, these words are fulfilled in your ears. They were enraged because they knew that that passage was prophetic of the Messiah. And they sought to take him to the brow of a hill and to throw him over onto the rock to die. And yet he just pass through their midst. Why? Because he was a guarded one. He was a Nazarene. He was from the city of Nazareth. And when they tried to take his life prematurely before he had even started into his ministry, there were angelic forces, I'm sure, around him that prevented them from fulfilling their desire. Now, God's people are referred to as the sect of the Nazarenes, the sect of the guarded ones. Now, the word sect is actually from a Greek word that means heresy. And so that was Tertullus's way of saying this is a heretical group. They believe things that are contrary to the word of God. And yet the Nazarene, the Lord Jesus, was the word of God made flesh. He didn't do things contrary to the word. He was the word. He established the word wherever he went. Now, if I am a part of this group, the sect of the Nazarenes, I should be able to claim that I am a guarded person. If you are a part of the sect of the Nazarenes, you should be able to claim that you are a guarded person. And I can truthfully say that that's the case in my life because I have faced death 10 times before and after being saved. And any one of those 10 times, I should have left this world. I had a, a condition when I was an infant that should have taken my life. When I was about six months old, it looked like I was going to die. And my mother, who at the time did not know the Lord, lifted me up to him and said, Lord, I don't even know you, but if you'll spare my son, I dedicate him to the ministry. And suddenly I got better. And that childhood disease did not take my life. Why? Because I was destined to be a part of this sect of the Nazarenes, these guarded ones who have the protection of God on their lives. See, Psalm 121 says, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade upon your right hand. He who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep, and he shall preserve your soul. He shall preserve your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. You need to realize he gives his angels charge over you to bear you up in their hands, lest you dash your foot against a stone. When I was 12 years old, I almost drowned because I was caught in an undertow. I did something stupid. 
I went surfing with my buddies during a hurricane that whipped the waves up to about 20 feet, but unfortunately it also created an undertow that I did not take into consideration, and it was pulling me out to sea were it not for one of my friends who saw my dilemma and paddled over and got me on his board and then took us both to shore, I would have died when I was 12 before I was saved. And then when I was 18, I overdosed on drugs and I felt my soul leaving my body and going into a throbbing dark void that was frightening. It was horrifying. But when I came down from that terrible experience, I started seeking God. I went into Eastern religions, yoga, meditation, Hinduism. Finally, I was picked up hitchhiking by a born-again Christian who led me to the Lord. Shortly after that, I thought God wanted me to join a monastery. I'd been raised Catholic, so I thought the way to get closer to God was to become a monk. And I stepped out on the road a few weeks after being saved, hitchhiking to go join the Monastery of the Holy Spirit in Conyers, Georgia. I'd heard there was a move of the Holy Spirit, a charismatic move there, so I thought I would fit in. Well, unfortunately, a man picked me up who threatened my life. He held a knife to my neck. He told me he was going to rape, rob, and kill me. And uh, I started preaching to him. And he broke down crying and told me that I was talking just like his mother. And he fell to his knees, handed me the knife that a few moments before he'd held to my neck and asked me to pray for him right there. That day, he was delivered of the demons that had taken hold of his life and got back right with God. Why could he not fulfill his original intention? Because I was of the sect of the Nazarenes. I was a guarded one. I had a, an ordination from God. I had a purpose. There was a plan evolving in my life that is an undefeatable, unconquerable plan. If this work or counsel be of man, it will come to naught, the Bible says. But if it be of God, you cannot overthrow it. The people who are a part of God's divinely elected plan are guarded people. And I could tell you about the other times I've faced death. <laughs> In India, one time six Hindus stormed the platform with the intention of beating me up publicly and then tying me to the bump of their car and dragging me through the city until I was dead because they wanted to stop Christianity from advancing in their community. Most Hindus are very gentle and tolerant people, but these were radical Hindus that were willing to do anything to prevent the gospel from being preached in their city. Well, God had it all set up, and right when they stormed the platform, I was praying for a deaf man that had been deaf for five years. He jumped out of my hand screaming, I can hear, I can hear, and the leader of this radical group stopped dead in his tracks and, and walked over with this curious look on his face. It was like he was totally dumbfounded over what had taken place, and he began whispering in the ears of this young man and having him repeat his words back, which he did. And he shook his head and spoke to those who had come with him and said, it's a miracle. It's a, I did not find out until the next day that the head of the Hindu radical group was the next door neighbor 
of the man who got healed. Now that was a divine setup. That was divinely orchestrated, if anything in my ministry ever has been. Why? Because it wasn't time for me to leave. I am one of the sect of the Nazarenes. I belong to a group of guarded people. And we are guarded by the will of God. We are guarded by the grace that abounds toward us that is sufficient for every situation. I guess I should mention the time also I was on a plane coming back from Israel, a big jumbo jet with four huge engines, and we were rolling down the tarmac, and one of the engines blew up and fire shot back about 30 or 40 feet. We found out the next day it was a flock of birds that had been sucked into the engine and it exploded and it sent a shudder through the whole electrical system and two other engines stalled. We got off the tarmac with over 500 people in the plane, overloaded with all kinds of extra luggage and we barely made it off the runway. In fact, uh, the next day in the Jerusalem Post newspaper, they wrote it up and they said that uh, when you do the mathematics aeronautically, there was no possible way that that plane could have made it off the ground. And the newspaper, the Jerusalem Post wrote up, all we know is that the plane was full of Christians going back to the United States after attending the Feast of Tabernacles. And when they prayed, the plane became airloft. There was no reason for that to happen except for the fact the plane was jam-packed with Nazarenes, people who were part of the sect of the guarded ones. And so God supernaturally held us up. I believe that scripture underneath are the everlasting arms. I firmly believe that nothing is going to take me out of this world until the appointed time. Now, I know we're living in a crisis time right now where there's a lot of tension in our nation, in our world, because of the coronavirus and because of the things that have resulted from it. And I won't even go into a discussion of that. All I know is that fear is rampant and people are depressed. People are discouraged. People are tense. People are anxious. But if you're part of the sect of the Nazarenes, you can be bold in believing that if God be for you, who can be against you? You may say, well, what if I get the virus? What if you do? Then you have a healer. His name is Yahweh Rapha, the Lord who heals you, Exodus 15, 26. What if I don't get my healing? Then to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It's a win-win situation. If it's not time for you to go, nothing's going to take you out of this world. If it is time for you to go, it's only going to get better. You're guarded in passing from time to eternity. You're guarded in passing through every battle, every trial, every failure, every hardship, every heartache that you pass through in life. God is able to make all grace abound toward you that you having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. I don't care 
what you're going through, God is with you. He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. And if God is for you, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Can you shout it out? You're part of the sect of the Nazarenes. I'm a guarded one. You ought to be confessing this all day long. I'm reminded of the story of John G. Lake, who ministered to the dying people during the bubonic plague in Africa. And a British team of medical experts came and saw him ministering among these people who had this extremely contagious disease. And they said, how are you protecting yourself? He said, I believe in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. They said, what is that? He said, the resurrected Savior lives in me, and the same power that brought him out of the grave dwells in me. And if and if that pathogen touches me, if that bacteria touches me, it will die on contact because the life of God in me is stronger than any death-dealing disease outside of me. They said, oh, that's ridiculous. That's stupid. There's no way we could believe that. And then he pointed to a man who had just died and saliva was pouring out of his mouth. He said, you go ahead and test it. He said, take some of the saliva out of that man's mouth and drop it into my hand. And it's crawling with living bacteria, but when it touches my hand, they'll all die. They said, well, we'll do that, but we don't think it's going to work. Well, they performed the experiment and the bacteria died. Why? How did that happen? Because he believed in the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I believe that same law is a banner over your life, that the life of God that dwells in you is stronger than any death-dealing disease around you. And there is no reason for a child of God to fear. You be strong in faith. You be strong in declaring who you are God is going to protect you. God is going to preserve you. The Lord is your keeper. For just a few moments, let's go into the other meaning of the word Nazareth. It can mean a branch. And that stretches back to a prophecy that was spoken of the Messiah. In Isaiah 11, verses 1 and 2, it says, There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse and a branch shall grow out of his roots. That's the Hebrew word netzer. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. So that's the passage of scripture that most theologians feel is being referenced in Matthew chapter 2, verse 23, where it said that uh, Joseph and Mary and Jesus came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. Well, the only place prophetically that connects with that is Isaiah 11, verses 1 and 2, where it says, A rod shall come forth from the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Now, that was David's father. And this branch would grow out of the Davidic covenant. God gave David a covenant. He promised him that his seed would endure as the son that that his throne would endure to all generations, that he would have a secure dynasty. And of course, that was fulfilled in Jesus because 
through Jesus, the throne of David uh, became everlasting. The son of David ascended up on high, and uh, that throne is perpetuated forevermore. The branch grew out of Jesse's roots, and that branch was the Messiah. But he said to you and me, I am the vine and you are the branches. There's a life sap flowing through us that flowed through him, the life sap of the divine ordination, the divine election that rested upon him when he came into this world to fulfill the prophetic word, to be the son of David who would reign forevermore. Isaiah chapter 9, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, the government shall be upon his shoulders, and of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. He shall sit upon the throne of his father David and establish his kingdom. That was all a prophetic word. And so much so, it was such a dependable word that in Jeremiah 33, God said, if you can break my covenant of the day and my covenant of the night, that there be no more day and night in their season, then you can break the covenant that I've made with my servant David, that he should have a son seated upon his throne. Now, you and I have grown out of the branch and the life sap of the prophetic word flows through us. And our future is just as secure. The enemy would have to destroy the covenant of the day and the night that the sun would not rise up tomorrow morning before the enemy can stop the purpose of God in your life. You're part of the sect of the Nazarenes. You are guarded ones. You are branches growing forth out of the vine who was himself a branch growing out of the stem of Jesse that had a divine ordination that could not be stopped. Be confident of this the rest of the days of your life. Thank you for listening to Discover Your Spiritual Identity with Mike Shreve, a podcast designed to cause a spiritual awakening in your life. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, cpnshows.com, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss new episodes. You can go deeper into this amazing revelation of the names God has given His people by getting your copy of Mike Shreve's book titled, Who Am I? Dynamic Declarations of Who You Are in Christ. We also invite you to visit our website, shreveministries.org, and sign up to be part of our global internet family, a group of on-fire believers who are bold to proclaim, I am who God says I am, I have what God says I have, and I will be what God says I will be.